Thank you to all for that opening and uh, uh, just tremendous thoughts about what we're to take on this morning as well. When the series uh, entitled Believe were being assembled by the writers, they tried to uh, encompass a lot of the uh, beliefs that we should share as a Christian church, uh, not just local churches, but different Christian evangelical churches and perhaps some others who hold to these same uh, beliefs. When I was looking through the index for the talk that's before us this morning, I was a little bit surprised to see the title Compassion included in the first section, of uh, which is the section on what we think uh, as Christians. I thought for a moment, and uh, I, I would have thought at least it was later on in the series where it was part of the action or part of the being and not part of the thinking. But I want you to just to hold that thought in your mind, and, and uh, as we go through this, I think you'll find that the root of our compassion is found in what we believe about our Heavenly Father and the Lord Jesus Christ with respect to compassion. At the end of our time together, I pray that we will come to a deeper understanding of the compassionate nature of God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, and that we would emulate and appropriate his compassion on behalf of others. Our key idea is before us, I believe God calls all Christians to show compassion to people in time of need. Could you read that together with me, just so it's in your mind? I believe God calls all Christians to show compassion to people in need. And along with the, along with the topic that's before us is a, is a key question. What about the poor and injustice in the world? I wonder what kind comes to your mind as soon as those words are put out before you. For myself, it started with the recollection of the upbringing that I had. Uh, I lived in a loving and compassionate Christian home. And as a young child, I observed my parents bringing food to people who needed food when they could scarcely share it uh, from the seven children they had. Uh, I was a little bit reticent about this, but on occasion they'd bring home some homeless or people in transition to our house, and we would house them for a night uh, up to one fellow there was uh, there for almost a year. And then uh, just to see them sent, gathering people together to send particular things to missionaries who expressed uh, a sense of the need of the people that they were serving in the different parts of the country. It was a tremendous privilege to grow up in such a home and be acquainted with uh, compassion, uh, both in thought and in action. When I was a teenager and seeking to understand the history of the two great world wars, uh, and as well understand the Jewish nation described in the Bible, I came across the atrocities of Adolf Hitler and his government. Under his leadership and his racially motivated ideologies, his hatred for the Jewish people, uh, his regime was responsible for the genocide of at least 5.5 million Jews and millions of other victims uh, of other races. Uh, and in addition to that, all of the people who were draw drawn into the war and gave their lives uh, to deliver the earth from such a, uh, an unjust, uh, horribly unjust uh, regime. 
In the middle of that, I came across the story of, of someone in the middle of those atrocities that had God's compassion for others. The story was told by Corey Ten Boom, and it was her life to deliver, help deliver people who were going to be executed uh, and deliver them by hiding them in her little home and then a, later on a network of homes uh, that she, she and others uh, uh, had uh, tried to save people from this unjust nation through the compassion that they had for others. That's a small part of answering the question, what about injustice? Uh, it's a small part to take the example of one person. But I'm sure if we knew the stories of all kinds of people during that time, there would be stories about the love of compassion in spite of what God had permitted to occur in the world. And uh, we, we can't answer those fully until we're in heaven with him and asking him those questions. But these are things that are of help to us to know that God has called all people, all nations, to be representative of his compassionate character. The uh, next part of the question is, what about the poor? I, I found uh, I, I was supposed I, I was to go to a, the country of India on business on a couple of occasions. And as usual, I tried to prepare myself as best I could to the culture and to the uh, to the people and to how they behave and how they negotiate and the business aspects of it all. I found a Christian who had spent some time as a geologist in uh, in India, and I looked to him. He was a Christian man, and I asked him for some counsel about uh, how should I prepare, what should I do when I'm there and, so, and not do, and so on. And he talked about a few of the things about business, and the end of it he said, and this just kind of floored me at the time, he said, and don't give anything to the poor. I had to digest that for a few moments, and then he went on to explain, if you give to one, you'll have a million at your doorstep. When my colleague and I got outside the airport in Mumbai, I began to understand uh, what he was trying to tell me to watch out for. The picture in the upper left is a picture of the slums that totally surround the, the airport in Mumbai. And we were, both of us were stuffed into a little buggy of some kind uh, with suitcases on the roof. And we went out through the gate and we saw these cardboard shacks on the sidewalk stacked three high. And I'm told that there were over 500,000 people living in those slums surrounding the airport. There were the worker air, uh, there were workers at the airports. There were people looking for handouts from the tourists. And it was all I could do to keep the food in my stomach. And just overwhelmed by not only the heat of the monsoon season, but the poverty that stared me in the face for the first time in that magnitude. And just asked the question to myself, but Lord, but God, what about the poor? And in the middle of that, there's the story of Mother Teresa. We know it well, but there's one example of someone who had compassion for the poorest of the poor. If you want to work with her and help her when she was alive in those missions that she set up, in the most dark parts of uh, poverty in India. Calcutta is the main example we're aware of. Uh, you had to take the same, uh, same oath that she took, that we would help the poorest of the poor. Those things just tear at our heart and say, well, are our hearts like that? 
What about us and our compassion for the poor and the injustice in the world that our Lord asked us to, uh, to be a part of? I'd like us just to look at a few of the scriptures quickly about our key belief that God calls every Christian to be compassionate toward those who are in need. In the book of Psalms, and this is just a very small sampling of what we could be looking at, the Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. The Lord protects the simple-hearted. When I was in great need, he saved me. As we read these verses, I want you just to notice what sits alongside compassion. We will see different things that compassion is with in the character of God and the same things that he wants us to have in our lives as we seek to live like Jesus lived and wants us to live. Jesus, and I can't read all the verses, but when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 34 For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came uh, to visit me. And this is one of the, the tremendous chapters on compassion in the Bible for instructions to Christians by the Apostle Paul. And I won't read it all, but at the end, at the beginning of it, He says to all Christians, since you have been raised with Christ, set your minds on those things above. So this is where the thinking comes in. That's where we start our whole worldview, our whole framework for thinking, that we set our minds on God and all that flows from him and apply those to the rest of the thinking that we do as humans and as as Christian people. And then in the next couple of verses, he talks about Strip off the clothing of anything that does not conform or align to thinking those things. And put on some new clothing. And what's the very first thing he asks us to put on in this context? And put on the cloak, the clothing. Cover yourselves with compassion. And just before that, there's a key, very key part of our understanding how we have to start with that. One of the old pieces of clothing we're to take off is prejudice. And he's telling us in Christ and the way Christ looks at the world, there are only his people. There is no, nothing of these distinctions that we set up in life to protect ourselves and the things that we do. Racism. Race. We don't differentiate, we're not to differentiate by race or by social status or by anything else but the love of God. And that's a big impediment for us to being compassionate as Christ teaches us. Psalm 67. For the director of music with stringed instruments, a psalm, may God be gracious to us, bless us, and make his face shine upon us, that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all the nations. When we look at the Old Testament, the people of God were commissioned to not only be to appreciate the blessing that he promised to them, but that their life lived before God would overflow to the nations of the world. And the nations of the world also had 
a command from God to be like him, serve him and worship him. Evangelism isn't new to the New Testament. Evangelism was the commission of God, just as compassion was the commission of God to the Old Testament people, both Jews and Gentiles alike. I can just leave you with that thought, but in our, it comes up in our, in our key verse that's before us today. And I just want us to look at the first two verses there. Um, I had them written down here. I can't find them. Defend the cause of the weak and fatherless. Maintain the rights of the poor and oppressed. Rescue the weak and needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. Those, the first two verses are about God calling na- nations leaders into his court. And he is accusing them of not looking after the poor and looking after injustice in their, in their rule and reign in the world. Jewish leaders, to be sure, and some interpreters extend that uh, to Gentiles, nations as well. If we look at the New Testament, we see that that's likely the case without going into the interpretive detail. God has commissioned all rulers and leaders of the world to be compassionate and to look after the poor and the injustice and to be generous and to be just in the way that they behaved as, as leaders. And he found them to not be doing that. So this is the command that's before us today, to them at their time. Defend the cause of the weak and fatherless. Maintain the rights of the poor and the oppressed. And rescue the weak and needy. Deliver them uh, from the hand of the wicked. I'd like us to look at the next few parts of our brief consideration together along the lines of a couple of questions. The first question, and I think we're fairly okay with this, what does compassion really look like? What does compassion look like? The Lord, our master teacher, uh, gave a tremendous example of what compassion is to look like uh, to one of the experts in the Jewish law that confronted him one day, just after a time of looking at how The Lord had dealt with some of the other leaders, one of the experts of the law, and we learned from one of the accounts that he was a a Pharisee, asked Jesus some questions. You know the story very well. We won't take our time to go uh, through them all. But in in answer to reading the heart of this expert in the law, Jesus told him a story. Now, if you look in your Bibles, uh, most of you will have a header, a (laughs) non-inspired header at the front of that section called a a parable. Be that as it may, uh, a parable we learned when we were young kids, as some of us did, that a parable was an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. I've come to, in reading the, the parables and the stories that Jesus told, I've thought often about what prompted that particular story. In part, it was prompted by the heart and mind of the man or the person that was in front of him. But it was also part, uh, uh, partly rooted in things that he saw and could use as examples to teach, his, uh, teach the people before him in a very specific way. And we're familiar with many of those parables. I'm not so sure that the story that is told as the Good Samaritan was a parable. Now, 
This is not inspired preaching here. But for a couple of reasons, many of the parables are begin with the statement by the scripture writers and here Jesus told the parable. You don't see that in this case. The other thing is we notice is that uh, Jesus is talking about laws that the Pharisee would have known. And he certainly, if he was an expert, would have had to apply those to to real life situations that he faced as a Pharisee in his practice. The, the Lord read his heart, and he saw the real questions that were coming, that were behind what was coming out of his mouth. And he got him to answer the questions. And whether this was a true story or not, that may have involved the interpretation of law by the, by the expert, by the Pharisee, or whether it was an experience that he himself went through and didn't. Maybe he was the, he wouldn't have been the priest. Probably, but he could have been the Levite on that road that day. Whether, whether that's fanciful interpretation or not, the main point is, when we are before God, he reads our heart. And he sees what's in our hearts and in our minds constraining us from being like Jesus. And at the end of that chapter, we're, we're not taking the time to read this story. At the end of it, he says, You may think this way, that I'm teaching you. Your problem is you're not doing. Go and do likewise. Do it. Think it, and that thinking will help you drive what you're doing. And in his case, he had some prejudices about race, about laws that impeded people from picking up dead bodies, and all of this thing that went on in that story. He just said to the man, go and do it. What is the definition of compassion? We use the words a lot, the word a lot. The best I could come up with, a feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for another who is stricken by misfortune, accompanied by a strong desire uh, to alleviate the suffering and, of course, to do it if possible. A few verses that we could look at. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Now, many interpret this in a negative way about God saying, well, I, I know when I do it, when I, when I don't do it, and so on. And that's partly true. But the main point that's in this scripture is God is compassion. He is God, and he has the authority to use uh, his characters or his the dimension of his personalities in ways that mystify us we seek to understand them but we don't always understand them and that's part of our challenge about interpreting old testament events and how god allowed war and how he allows things today and so on those are difficult things we're not going to resolve those this morning but we'll have some clues about how to deal with them god is a compassionate god i stole this slide from steve asawa uh, he listed a, a number of the characteristics of god Uh, in his talk earlier on about who God is. And one of those is God is uh, compassionate. I levered off that and looked up a topical Bible that had pages and pages of which this is only a sample of who God is, what his character is like, and how the things fit together a little bit, which has helped me. One of those, again, is the compassion of God that we could search scriptures on. I just want to spend a minute on this slide. I tried to assemble one example of what I was thinking about 
in terms of really understanding not only the definition of compassion, but how, how God is a God of compassion in tandem with some of his other, uh, the other parts of his character. You may not agree with these, and these are just definitions that help me a little bit. Justice is God giving us what we deserve. Mercy is God not giving us what we do deserve. Grace is God giving us what we do not deserve in abundance. Love is God seeking the best for each of his created people without regard to the cost to himself or regard to their current reaction to his seeking. We looked at the, the prodigal son at communion this morning and uh, see the love of God represented in the father of the two sons. Then compassion is God seeing and feeling sympathy for our need that we are stricken with and moving to provide for that need. Compassion, I, I've, I like to look at things in mechanical engineering terms once in a while. Compassion is one of the engine and transmission rooms of God's love to us all. God is love. And we read in the New Testament about the priority of love for Christians. That's your main thing, he said to the expert of the law. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. The expert said, well, who's my neighbor? I sure hope it's not the Samaritans. And the same is for us today. Compassion is the engine room of love. It's one of the aspects of God that puts his love in action. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall never perish but have eternal life. That's his love and his compassion both in one verse in action. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be drawn to him uh, through the I'm getting off quoting the text here, but over the work that Christ did on the cross of Calvary. What does compassion look like and how does it relate to some of the other things? I have a friend, somebody, how many recognize the picture on the left? He was uh, Brian Steed. He lived in our community for many years, a pastor, Pentecostal church here. One day I was driving in midwinter by myself down Algonquin Avenue. To my left, picture this, was the Senator Hotel in those days. On the right, there was an icy downhill sidewalk. As I, as I was driving along, I saw an old elderly lady carrying some, some things fell. And I'm driving my car and knowing what I should do, knowing the story of the Good Samaritan, and I did feel for the lady as well. But by the time I was able to break the car on the ice and start to turn into La Ronde, there was Brian Steed. Not sure how he got there so fast, probably like an angel just flew into the situation. But he picked up this lady and helped her. A good Samaritan story in our own community. And I asked Brian if I could use this uh, in my talk, and he said yes. There's another story that comes a little closer to home, perhaps, uh, about the nature of compassion. Is a story that was conducted as a socially, social experiment, I could call it that, to draw out some factors for a number of seminary students. Princeton University, it's the mid-70s. The, they were, the 40 students or so were brought together in one classroom and told they had to 
answer questionnaire that talked about some things we don't have time for this morning. And then they were instructed to go to an adjacent building. And uh, part of the group was divided. One was to give a talk on vocations that you were looking at as a theology student. The other was told to give a talk on the Good Samaritan. And they knew that before they crossed the street. That's not the actual picture of the experiment, but it's kind of the situation. And, of course, the question was by the professor, how many of those people will, how many of my students will actually help this person that they placed on the pathway by which they had to travel? Only 40% of the students, including some of those who were going to have to give a talk from the Good Samaritan, um, helped in some way. One of the conclusions of the story was the professor, maybe it was the professor's excuses was, well, maybe I told him to hurry too much. I'm paraphrasing the, the technical paper a little bit here. But that brings us to the question. What gets in the way of compassion? I wanted to, uh, I, I asked my wife actually if she would become one of those people that lie on, on the front walkway on the way in, but she declined. She, she had some suggestions of others who she could put down on the front path and see how we behaved this morning on our way into the church. But I also asked her and some others, well, what, what do you find gets in the way of compassion in your life or my life? Some of these are mine. I'm not going to tell you which ones. Some of those are suggestions from my wife, and she was only reflecting what she thought about others. Just kidding. And uh, th- these are some of the things we, we, we deal with. Self-absorption, selfishness, prejudice, preference, too much of a hurry, I can't help this thing right now. Fear, it's their job, whether it's the pastor, the government, help agencies, missionaries. Let them live with, fix their own problems. My part is too insignificant. It's too far away, let them deal with it, and so on. Uh, Why feel for it, but... I don't do anything about it. I'm too busy to worry about all the things all over the 200 nations of the world. A new one that I was reading about was neuroscience training where people send you to a school so you can get better at compassion. But all I think that did in the one write-up was mask people into uh, thinking that they could help more, but they did not. I'm not going to spend any time on the negative side of things, but I just wanted to point out some of the things that do get in the way They're real. I want to focus on maybe some of the things that Scripture says about remedies for us in the middle of those. And so I put up, and for the sake of time, we're going to hurry a little, but how do we become more like Christ in being compassionate? That's the question before us. We've touched touched a little bit on the thinking part. I, I put these, just my own thoughts together from these Scriptures that we have on compassion in the Bible. The first one is to see every situation from God's perspective. And a lot of this is summarized in Colossians chapter 3. See it as God sees it. See the people involved as people that God loves. And I'm going to pause on that because we don't do that. We have all kinds of demarcations of the human race that we, we live with, whether or we have in our minds. Well, they're the homeless, are they? They're people that God loves. Oh, they're this race or that race. And they might. That's prevalent today, isn't it? I won't put this on tape, but you know what I'm talking about. 
The second part is put to death every piece of clothing from our earthly perspective, our earthly life, says Colossians chapter 3. Throw out that old clothing. And one of those is the verse before the one we read in Christ. From Christ's perspective, not just in the church, from Christ's perspective, there is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. There is neither Jew nor Gentile. God sees everyone as an individual that he loves. Clothe ourselves with the love of God and his compassion. And that's what we're asked to do in that verse. Clothe ourselves with his love and compassion for people. Look at, study him in the scriptures and see what he tried to do with the compassionate examples that confronted him. We need to see that God is using us as his ambassadors, as in the language of the story and the belief series. We are to be seen as his dispensers of gospel and compassion together. Now, we could spend a lot of time on this, but the church got off track for a while in this aspect, I, I, I think, in thinking our only mission was the gospel. And, by, and yes, we would help some and build hospitals and so on. But God is very clearly wanting us to be his dispensers of his grace, his love, his mercy, his compassion, and teach people about Jesus and the gospel of Christ, and that they might come to a saving grace and knowledge of him. Pray for poor and injustice situations. What? It's, I thought it was only when I confront something by accident on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. Do I have to pray that I come across those situations? Yeah. And pray for God's guidance as to how can I, how can we, as a church, as a group, help in this situation. Jesus said to the expert in the law, go and do likewise. We're out of time and that's the preacher's fault. I put together a slide on, uh, on compassion at BFA. I had this, uh, this device over here on the wall, measure each one of us and give me this feedback as to our compassion meter. I'm just kidding. But let's look at ourselves with this kind of checklist. These are some things that we ought to be doing, as we mentioned earlier. At the top is pray for those in need. And at the bottom have loving and bottom being the foundation, loving and compassionate to one another. I know things are going on. These aren't all formal programs of BFA, but they are commitments of individual people that I've drawn from within BFA to put this up here. Visiting the needy, helping in encouragement meals, missionary targeted support, both local and foreign, the Harmony House Ministry and its counseling and helping uh, as we go each day, resources and fundraisers. Ministries to the Aged, the Benevolence Team, Good Samaritan Inn Breakfast, Christmas Baskets, Christmas Child Shoe Boxes, Needy Community Youth, Refugee Support Possibility, that's a very active one and underway by someone in our chapel who's going to the meetings and seeking to help uh, with that in our community. Some examples of what's going on in our assembly, so we don't need to be discouraged. We just need to recognize that we can always be doing more the more we seek to emulate in our lives the character of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's close in prayer. 
Father, we just thank you for the compassion driven by your love and your grace to us as as sinners that were at enmity with you. But in spite of the choices that we had made, you sent your son to this earth, not only to demonstrate the compassion of God in the streets and cities of of Israel of the day, but to die on that cross, carrying out the plan of salvation from eternity to eternity for the benefit of all people who would respond to the love of God. Father, we just pray that you would help us as we think about compassion, as we seek to be and act more in a more compassionate way like Christ, that you would empower us and help us and give us your grace and power in those efforts, we pray. Thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, and for all he means to us and all that he would have us be. To his glory, we commit ourselves afresh this morning in his name. Amen.